people that say you, you can't be in love with your partner if you're doing E&M, I understand where they're coming from, but they're wrong. So let's get to it. The conversations you are about to hear are intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. So dirty talk, so yeah. sex talk. Yeah, it, it started off as dirty talk. I was actually like very excited to see my partner with somebody else. She looked at me and said, so you want to have sex with other people, that's what you're saying. <laughs> and you find it a turn on to hear about what he did. Yeah. And then it's like, I want to come home and get it the way she got it. Does he know you have a boyfriend? Well, yes. This is Consenting Adults with Lena Wynn. My guest today is a marriage and family therapist who specializes in ethical non-monogamy. His name is David Singer, but most people know him as the L.A. kink shrink. I've got a lot of questions for you. My first question would be, are you actually in the lifestyle? To be honest, I theoretically practice ethical non-monogamy since the pandemic. I really haven't that much. Right. And then... Um, I've been very involved in the kink scene in the past and not as much anymore, but still kind of keep my toe in. Right. Okay. So when you say that you're in the lifestyle, I mean, what kind of play style do you, are, are, are you married? Are you guys swingers or what, what, you know, how do you describe <laughs> yourself? So I have a, a primary partner. So people that do ethical non-monogamy, there's all sorts of different ways of doing it. And one is the idea of having primary, secondary, stuff like that. Other people believe in what's called relationship anarchy. Um, we have we have a primary relationship. We've been together for nine years. We've done some swinging. We've done some dating with other folks uh, together and individually. We just kind of play it as it comes, I guess. Okay. So then you do the full swap thing. We have. Mm -hmm. We have. Again, I don't know if you've noticed, but life changed with the pandemic. Yes. Um, you, you may have heard that from someone before. So since then, we really haven't. But it's it's always within kind of our structure that if that happens, that happens. And that's fine. Okay. Because I think it's important. Um, you can still be a marriage and family therapist and help people through these issues without actually being in the lifestyle. But I think being in the lifestyle, you just have more, right? You have more insight. You just, you just do, you have experience, right? I, I think so. I've had to do work with clients undoing damage from therapists that didn't understand either ethical monogamy or kink and pathologized it, or they would come in for sessions about, communication issues with their partner and the therapist just wanted to focus on the on the non-monogamy part because that was the the root of the problem obviously and it wasn't so i i do think because i came from the background because i've walked the walk not just talked the talk i think that helps i i, mm -hmm. I definitely think it helps me kind of not pathologize that which is not pathological okay now you're starting to sound all professional. I know. I, know. I have to Stop do something so I can bill insurance. <laughs> Otherwise, you know. <laughs> um, okay. So let's talk about E&M in a way where from a, a more professional point of view, all right? 
A lot of people who listen to this show who are not familiar with it, who are not involved in the lifestyle, they kind of make the same comments. I see the same comments over and over again, which is, well, you must really not love your partner if you're willing to do this. You hear that a lot too, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, obviously you have issues with commitment. That That's always a good one. Right. I hear uh, that too. Yeah. Back in the day, and that honestly, that day wasn't that long ago, we called it consensual non-monogamy. And I always pitched that I liked ethical non-monogamy more because it just, it's a higher standard, right? I mean, ethical is a higher standard than consensual. Yeah. So I have been thrilled that in the last few years, that shift has happened. And you called it ENM, and you could not have possibly made me happier uh, <laughs> than by doing that. So, but anyway, my experience is in some ways it's more loving. And I do not mean to, to bash on monogamy. Some people are happy with monogamy and that's great. But in order for a loving relationship to be ethically non-monogamous, it involves a lot of love, a lot of being able and being willing to deal with what can be difficult emotions because you know it makes your partner happy. What's, what she, she, he is doing makes them happy. You know, this whole concept of compersion, which is where, like, say you and I were, were partners, and, you know, I can only dream, but say <laughs> you and I were partners and, like, you found someone and you were really happy with her or him, and I just had joy that you were happy. That to me is like selfless loving. People that say you, you can't be in love with your partner if you're doing E&M, I understand where they're coming from, but they're wrong. Mm -hmm. um, and then what about this thing about jealousy? Because a lot of people would say, I could never do that. I'm a jealous person, which is also very, very understandable. And then I talk to people in the lifestyle who actually embrace those jealousy feelings because it becomes like a turn on. Well, okay, there's that. Right. And also there are people where it is difficult. And and sometimes people feel like, okay, you know what? I'm feeling jealous. Obviously, ethical non-monogamy is not for me. That's not true. One of the things I tell people about ethical non-monogamy is a great thing about ethical non-monogamy is it lets you really kind of feel your stuff and work through it. And the really crappy part about ethical non-monogamy is it really, excuse my language, effing makes you feel your stuff and work through it. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I think that, that was helpful for me is one of my first kind of forays into ethical non-monogamy. I wasn't even like a secondary, I was a tertiary, I think, partner. And I had to go through the various feelings of jealousy, of inadequacy. If, you know, if I was good enough, then I would be enough. Mm -hmm. And I'm really glad I went through that because it, taught me a lot and it taught me a lot about myself so yes there are the people that kind of then turn it into it's a turn on there's the whole hot wife syndrome right it's so it's so hot to watch your partner be with these other people and see these other people want to be with your partner and that's great there's also a lot of folks that are involved in ethical non-monogamy where they do have to struggle sometimes sure. with the jealous feelings and i think that that 
actually is a benefit because you can learn so much about yourself. Like what what's being tapped here? Right, break down those feelings. We call it jealousy, but jealousy is like a umbrella. So what are the feelings? And it's you know inadequacy. It's not being lovable. It's all of those things. And I think a lot can be gained by not fighting the jealousy, by not running from the jealousy, but by, as we shrink say, working through. Yeah. So let's talk about ethical non-monogamy, like for the person who is either new or maybe curious, right? Mm -hmm. Curious enough to want mm -hmm. to know, like what are some of the mistakes that you see people making? Whether they're new or not, because I'm sure that there are people who make mistakes 10 years down the road, you can make a mistake, mm. right? Well, first off, I think everyone makes mistakes in the beginning. I really try to tell that to people. Like, I, I don't know anyone who went into ethical non-monogamy and didn't fuck something up at some point. Hopefully I can say that on your podcast. Um, and so be kind, be gentle. Talk about it with your partner. Talk about what you want, what fears you have, what do they want, what fears do they have, what kind of structure do you want your ethical non-monogamy to be? Because I think that's one thing. People say like, I want to do ethical non-monogamy or I want to do polyamory, right? And only polyamory counts. And there's so many other types of ethical non-monogamy. Do you want emotions to play a part? I worked with a, a couple and they had they had done it right. Right. You know, they had talked about it and then they talked about it. And then when they thought they were done talking about it, they talked about it some more, which I totally encourage. And they knew they wanted to do ethical non-monogamy. They knew that they were gonna kind of struggle with some of the feelings, but they were okay with that. They were gonna be gentle with themselves and with each other. That's all great. They hadn't thought about can emotion be part of it? And for one partner, they wanted ethical non-monogamy because it was really hot to have sex that was just sex. In this case, it was the female partner. That was really hot for her. It's just banging it out and, you know, fulfilling fantasies. Perfect. And, and watching, you know, her husband, partner, I don't even remember what it was, banging it all out. That's all hot. He really tied sex and emotions together. Hmm. So he wanted not another primary relationship. He still wanted to hold his marriage as primary. They were not relationship anarchists, but he wanted a connection. And she had never counted on that. And she didn't mind him having sex with whoever. That was hot. But the fact that he started liking these people, she didn't get jealous about them going to bed together. But if they like watched a movie, Oh, how that, dare you know? they? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So really, really talk about it, talk about it, and try to fine-tune it as much as you can, but then take the leap. It's like, if I'm up on a high diving board, or I used to ski, so if I'm up at the top of a, of a challenging hill, and I spend too much time looking down the hill or looking down from the diving board at how far it is and how steep it is, I get trapped. I get mm -hmm. frozen. Mm -hmm. So talk about it, talk about it, talk about it, then take the leap. Recognize that something 
that you didn't think of is going to happen. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. That's you're going to learn from it. And as long as your prime connection is there, it's all okay. Mm-hmm. I'm really glad you said that. I get a lot of people who write to me and every few months I'll get a message from the same person and they're still just fantasizing about it. And yeah. and then they're still just fantasizing about it. And um, sometimes the fear of everything blowing up that kind of holds them back. Meanwhile, they have done the talking about it. They've done the yeah. fantasizing. They've done all that. And they just like, you almost got to like push them off the cliff because they're just so scared, which is understandable. Yep. Absolutely. Um, yeah. But it's, it's really interesting. And I think really refreshing to hear a therapist say, you know, at one point, jump. Yeah. Right. And, and know and it, that you might get hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, okay. So, so I would say that that is a great point to make that one of the mistakes is that after going through it so much that no one actually ever does anything and you're kind of stuck in limbo there. I worked with a client like that and they had a lot of tension and a lot of conflict about this and what it was going to be. And, and they talked it through, but for them, once they started it and they did course correction, right? So they started it. It wasn't exactly how they wanted it. So they figured out what worked better for them. And they were a ton better with each other because they didn't have this suspense kind of, you know, <laughs> all over their head. It's sort of Damocles. This is going to come falling down. Um, don't try to find the perfect structure for your ethical non-monogamy. Try to find the best structure. Take the jump if you're both ready or however many and and recognize that there's going to be shit you didn't think of. And that's okay. Yeah. Would you say that probably for most people, it's kind of not what they thought it would be? Like no, nothing ever goes exactly as planned, like whatever's uh, in your head, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah sometimes yeah, it's better, but a lot of times it's not. Like the first experience I am, I'm hearing from a lot of people was kind of, eh. That happens a lot. Yeah. That, that happens a lot with people because they have built so much and they've done all this work. And, and man, this is exciting. And they take the first experience. And yeah, it's just like, oh. huh. Uh-huh. It's, you know, kind of like a lot of times the first time for us having sex. Like we spent X number of years looking forward to this. And then like, really? Oh, that's, that's it? Really? <laughs> <laughs> right. I could have. Okay. I could have stayed home. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So if you were talking to a person, again, I'm, I'm, a lot of these questions are coming from the questions that I get all the time from our, our listeners, because many of my listeners are not in the lifestyle, but they're curious about it. And that is, how do you get started? So you, you've talked, you've fantasized. Like, what is the easiest way for you to actually like, try to make something happen? Well, there's now a lot of, and unfortunately, I'm not going to think of any of their names, but there's a lot of apps-specific polyethical non-monogamy dating apps. If you just do Google search, here in LA, there's a thing called Poly Cocktails, which is mm-hmm. people get together, and it's not like a dating scene. It's not a, it's not a, a, a hookup place at all. Please don't go to a Poly Cocktails thinking it's a hookup place. You will... You will be not be welcome. Uh-huh. <laughs> you will be disappointed and you will not be welcome. So it's more um, like a mixer, just like a mixer yeah, social that's, that's hour exactly type thing. exactly what it is. Uh-huh. But it's to let you kind of meet people. And in that, sometimes people will meet someone that they have a connection with. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not 
recommending this for everyone, but just from the probably too much information, I met my partner, my primary partner, in a dungeon. So there's always oh. that. Oh, yeah. There's, there's also your local dungeon. <laughs> there's always a local dungeon. Right. Um, and so these days, it seems like it's a lot easier because so much of it is available at your fingertips, right? Just like, right. like, like regular online dating. You just have to find like the couple dating or the whatever, but it's out there. So aside from online, a lot of people are very curious about these sex clubs. Is that like a whole different experience? Would you recommend that? It depends what you're looking for. So I think sex clubs are awesome to go to, to observe. And I actually really recommend everybody the first time, particularly if it's like a couple going to a sex club or a swing club. Obviously, these are consenting adults. Ooh, what a great name for something. Uh, and um, they can make their own decisions. But my recommendation and what I've done myself is the first time it's reconnaissance. It's kind of going there, letting yourself kind of adjust to the environment. What do I think about this? How does this make me feel? What's comfortable here? What's not comfortable? What would I like to do? So. So no pressure to perform. Exactly that. And and in fact, I really urge people to not the first time. Hmm. Just kind of absorb it, feel it, see it, think about it, decide what to do later. Mm. Um, okay, so we talk a lot about what can go wrong, the mistakes <laughs> people make, how awful can it be? Uh, let's Let's talk about the good stuff. Okay, that's nice. When I talk to people, there's like this common thread whether they're poly or swingers or whatever. And it's that communication thing that has brought them so much closer to their partner, yeah. which like on paper, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, it is kind of counterintuitive. Right. But you're right. There needs to be so much communication and such open communication. And a lot of times relationships don't have that as much as ideally we'd like it to mm. like them to there's also something incredibly powerful there's no rule that your partner has to be with you like with monogamy we we live in this illusion that if we're in a monogamous relationship well that means our partner has to be with us right because they can't be with anyone else and that's the mm -hmm. rule and god knows that always works but in ethical non-monogamy, you get to have your partner consistently deciding to come back to you voluntarily. That is a pretty powerful thing. Hmm. I've never thought of that. Yeah. Um, although now that you mention it, you know, when people do the solo play th thing, hmm. that reclaiming sex that, that I hear people talk about, so much of that has to be very powerful, right? To, you know, now he's coming back to me or now she's coming back to me. Um, and there's no restrictions, you know, relationships, the way we've learned them is about restriction, you know, um, till death do us part that we don't even have a choice. We took a vow. So we have to, there's something incredibly powerful about, having your partner be absolutely free, absolutely free to do what she or he wants and to know that she or he wants to come back to you. I don't know of a more positive affirmation of love than that. 
I wonder if because of that that you just talked about, you know, when people talk about how this has brought them closer together, like there's that fire again, because when you don't when you don't realize the, oh, they're still with you, they come back, when you don't have that feeling, like the reminder that, wow, he's chosen to come back to me. He chooses to be with me, despite all this that he can have, that you're not constantly feeling that, that you start taking your partner for granted. Like, you don't have that fire for them anymore. And I I hear that so often, and I never kind of tied it to the they're voluntarily coming back to you, <laughs> right? Yeah. That's interesting. Hmm. And I think there's just human nature. There's something kind of hot about knowing that someone else. I'm gonna I'm gonna word this clinically. I hope this is okay. Sure. That someone else wants to bang your partner. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's something kind of hot about that. I, I do think it kind of rekindles the fires. Mm-hmm. Um, have you seen it blow up? Like oh, yeah. we're talking about, oh, you know, it can be great and it is great. Have you seen it blow up? Yeah. And I also think that it's not for everybody. Now I have no science to back me here, but I tend to think that people are wired monogamous or ethically non-monogamous almost as much as we're wired heterosexual or homosexual. And like that, it's a continuum. I think finally we're learning sex is not a binary. It's a continuum. And I think levels of non-monogamy are a continuum. Hmm. So among the hardest parts I've had to deal with is when it's a relationship and one person really is wired monogamously. Uh-huh. Like it's a, it's a load-bearing pillar for them. It's a core part of their structure. And someone else is wired the other way. And that is really, really difficult for everyone and often can be worked through, but sometimes can't. And that's Mm -hmm. just a reality. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like you're talking about being ethically non-monogamous is more of an identity, right? I think so. yeah. Yeah, you feel that that's just the way you are. That's how it was for me. I will oh. say that. Like, I I hadn't known about ethical non-monogamy for a lot of years, right? And when I started hearing about it, it was like that aha moment. Like, wait, yeah, that's, mm. that's true. And um, I was involved in a relationship with somebody who really had monogamy as a load-bearing pillar for her. It was exceptionally important to her. As a therapist, I'll work with, well, what are the fears? What are the concerns? And to be able to kind of give words to that, and that can help people work through when it's a fear-based. But sometimes people are, I believe, their essence is monogamous. And that's, like I said, that is a lot harder for that difference to be worked through. Not impossible, but a lot harder. Do you think that there are people in the lifestyle who who are not like what we just talked about, where it's not their essence, it's not their identity, they're just these wild, crazy people who want to go out and have sex with a bunch of different people? Do people, do sometimes people get into it and run, run, run until they burn out and, mm. and it either blows up or they leave? 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think like any scene, I think ethical non-monogamy, BDSM, I do think there's people that throw themselves in and kind of keep running really fast to try to outrun the insecurities in their head until they run out of steam. But, you know, the, the example you gave, like, so, you know, they just want to kind of jump in and bang as many people as they can. That's fine. As long as they're open and honest about it, mm-hmm. that's fine. That's one of the things I try to really teach people is sex doesn't have to involve emotion. Emotion doesn't have to involve sex. They're different things. And they can go together, and that's great. But sometimes they're really, really fine separate, and that's okay. The key is always, I think, to be open and honest with others and and with yourself. And sometimes that one's harder. Mm-hmm. One thing I do want to touch on, and again, thinking from the different comments and messages I get from people, Mm -hmm. um, you talked about how you can be like one person is really wired this way and one person isn't, and that's where the struggle is. Sometimes people talk to their partners and they kind of hear a little bit of interest, but like they're ready to, they're raring to go, right? Yeah. And they, they want to push their partner into it. I mean, what can happen if if you you know your partner's really not into it, but you kind of talk them into it? My advice is don't talk your partner into anything. Talk with your partner about their concerns. Um, not to sound like I'm trying to drum up business, but if need if need be, talk with a professional about what's going on. Let someone that knows how to kind of do the translation and create the safe space get involved. But don't it's <laughs> I use this metaphor way too much. My, my clients will roll their eyes at this. Don't chase the cat. A lot of times that's what happens. You know, you see a cat and you really want to pet the cat. So you really want your partner to do this ethical non-monogamy stuff. So you chase the cat. And I don't know if you know much about cats, but that ain't going to work. Nope. Create Mm -mm. the safe space, the safe, still space to let the cat come to you. Because that's the only way it's going to work. And then I think sometimes you just have to realize that maybe they're just not going to be into it. Mm -hmm. And there are kind of polymono relationships that work just fine. One person in the relationship identifies as ethically non-monogamous and the other person doesn't and has no interest in doing that. But because of the communication they have, because of the connection they have, they make that work. Mm -hmm. So you don't need to force your partner to be any way she or he isn't. And in fact, You can't force your partner to be any way she or he isn't, because if it lasts a little bit, that's fine, but it won't last for long. And you can find David on LAKinkShrink.com. Thanks for the fun talk, David. All right, next time on Consenting Adults, what starts as fulfilling a husband's fantasy by making a video with another man snowballs into something else. It started with very, very innocent men who were pretty much just like average and then it was I really want to be stretched and filled and fucked heavily if I'm going to go out and leave my kids and take time away from my family like I want to be road hard and hung up that's next time on consenting adults <laughs>